0: This is Rob Scott, and you're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Waclair. Fulham took another step towards confirming Premier League relegation on Saturday evening as we couldn't find a goal and slipped to our fifth defeat in six games at Stamford Bridge. I've got Baldo and Morges with me. It's Sunday morning as we record, so we've got a cup of tea on the go. And we'll keep this as brief as possible. So come on, then, boys, let's get on with it. Fulham. Well, in a week where Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel compared Ruben Loftus Cheek to Michael Ballack, some things weren't quite so unusual. At Stamford Bridge, a game of Fulham bingo ensued where the usual greatest hits were ticked off. A starting lineup without our best player, starting the game strongly, not scoring any goals, conceding a couple of goals. Mitro getting a cameo off the bench at the end, and Parker saying it was a good performance at the end. Boys, sum up your current thoughts for me. Uh,
2: sad. I don't know. It's uh, it's. I'm drained. I think this season has kind of gone on and on, and nothing, nothing has improved, apart from you know, sort of after the initial, you know, uh, solidifying the defense the team when the team came out and reed wasn't even on the bench i'm just thinking well hopefully it's just a bit of a, a knock and we all know that he's susceptible to that but yeah, you look at the look at it and go that's, that's ah, there's something missing there or a lot's missing and major starting up front in place of Mitro, i mean yes he scored a penalty good for him but he offers absolutely nothing aside from that and Maybe there is something going on behind the scenes with Mitro. Maybe it's just like, you know, Park has a problem with him. Maybe he's not fully fit. But then you saw him uh, playing for Serbia and he looked fine. Um, And he scored against Villa. He was up for it. And since then, he's just been dropped again. And 10-minute cameo. It's when you're 2-0 down and you need to win the game, you don't leave your best striker on the bench, regardless of his form, regardless of his fitness. You just get him on there and hope for the best. So, it's, uh, for Parker to then come out and say it was a good performance, we know it wasn't. It was turgid. Yeah, apart from that, those first five minutes, it, there was nothing. You know, as soon as that goal went in, we might as well have blown the full-time whistle because we knew what the result was going to be. So, it is sad because we've gone out without a fight. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about Anguissa or not, but I mean, his performance yesterday was god-awful. And, I mean, if he's trying to get himself a move to a new team in the summer, he's not going to do it with performances like that. And so, you know, really, what else to say? Apart from the fact that, you know, we're just going down uh, like a ship with a massive hole in it at the moment. So, just got to wait for the next. What? See how Newcastle do against Arsenal.
0: I think honestly, you summed it up with the first words you said, which was,
1: "I think that's that is
0: pretty (laughs) much the." I thought you were. I honestly thought you were just going to stop after that. I think that's. That's where I think the majority of Fulham fans are. We've accepted that we, we know we're going to go down. Now everyone has probably accepted at various stages during the season, but I think now the majority of fans are on that side. So even when the lineup comes out, you just think, you know what's you know what's the point now? You know how can you get excited with a lineup that includes? Excuse <coughs> me. Like when I first saw the lineup, my first thought was, right, how different was that to the last one we thought we we put out? Obviously it was two weeks ago against Arsenal. And I just couldn't be bothered to go back and think, right, what was the lineup? How have we changed? Because it's just going through the motions at this point. And on the and on the um and on the thing of Major, personally, I think this is tin hat conspiracy theory, if you want to put it that way. But I honestly think the only reason he's selecting Major over Mitro is because he's getting ready for next season. I think even though Major is on loan. I think there is some sort of understanding that Magia will be our number one striker for next season. Um, Probably, again, given the way he's handled Mitro, probably means Mitro leaving. So I think that's why, you know, Magia is playing, even though Mitrovic is by far the better player. I think this, I think Scott Parker is already getting in, you know, prepare for championship mode. I think that's really the only excuse or reason you can think of as to why Magic is playing and Mitrovic is not.
2: Well, that's that's perfectly sort of understandable because, I mean, Bordeaux look like they might be folding. I mean, they're in that bad financial state at the moment. So we could probably get him on. I think we had a 10 million buy clause in there, but I, re- I don't know if, that was, if it was negotiable or what. Um, but it's he's not good at the moment. Would he be good in the championship? We don't know. Will Parker be there next season? Who knows? Um, and if it's a new manager, they're going to come in and go. If, if that's our only option, we need to buy something out, someone else. And um, you know, Mitro is definitely off. If that's the case, uh, if Parker stays, Mitro's off. If we, um, when we go down, likely he'll be off again. But if you know, I don't know, Tony can throw a new contract to him or something like that. But nothing in this <clears throat> says he's staying. So
1: we'll every to... time the every time the camera pan to uh, Mitrovic is body language. He just looked absolutely exasperated, didn't he? Like, how am I not in this team? And, yeah, Baldo, I think I think that's a fair line of thought that you've got there about uh, about Major potentially leading the line for Fulham next season and him, him being in the side, you know, to kind of just blood him in. But he's been in the side for quite a while now. And when we still had a chance as well of staying up. So this isn't a new thing. Of leaving out Mitrovic and, and playing Major. Maybe now the thought is, well, he's gonna be he's gonna be our, our number one man next season. And as you said, Morg, I think that's worrying. If if he's if he's what we're gonna be relying on next season to get ourselves out of the championship, I I don't see it. I see us being mid table next season. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll come on to that in a bit more detail uh, a bit later on in the show. Um let's look at this game. There was a good effort from Anthony Robinson inside five minutes, which was well saved by Chelsea keeper Mendy. And that was quickly followed by a long range effort from Anderson, which sailed well over the crossbar. Have we finally realised that we need to shoot to score goals or something? Because we haven't seen much of that at all, shooting from distance, shooting on sight, have we?
0: No, we haven't. And this has been the thing that I've been calling out, you know, pretty much going back to last season in the championship when I was saying it about Tom Kearney. You know, at, at some point, it just... Just take a shot. We know that, you know, Chelsea are a good team defensively. I think two calls team, something like the best defensive record or the most clean sheet, something along those lines, since he took over. So we're not going to be able to work our way into the box, you know, mainly because they're good and mainly because, you know, we're terrible. So it's going to take, you no know, shots from distance to try and break them through. It's just a shame that the shots were coming from, you know, players you... Wouldn't exactly put your money on scoring the likes of the likes of Robinson, uh, the likes of Robinson and Anderson. You know that's where the likes of Anguissa should be suiting. I mean, even going back to later in the half, Olaina, Ole again a defender. He was the only one that thought, oh, let's take a shot from outside the box. It got a deflection. It forced a good save. On another day, that goes into the net. Now we've been missing it all season. It just it's just frustrating that we always seem to do the right things at the wrong time.
1: The first Chelsea goal. Came inside 10 minutes. I have to say it was an excellent goal, actually. It was route one at his best, but with a bit of class from Mason Mount as well. He brought the ball down, split our defence open and Kai Havertz tucked it away. Any complaints there, Morgs? I think the only
2: complaint is that, yeah, it was a route one ball that should be bread and butter for, you know, dealing with. But that's not Sam Allardyce for route one football. That was, you know, just a brilliant piece of skill. Uh, Sure, it came from, the pass came from Mendy, I think it was. but. you know, hoofed it downfield. But what Mason Mount did shows what a great player he is. And just to be able to split that defence with that ball. And, you know, Kai Havertz, he's had a really troubled season, but he's a really good talent. And it was a very, on the face of it, looked a very simple goal, but it was incredibly well executed. So, yeah, I mean, I have complaints because we let our guard down that easily. But at the same time, you know, you have to look at it and go, "It it was a decent goal.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh just after twenty minutes, Josh Madger did well to intercept some sloppy Chelsea play at the back. But then he played the ball wide to Bobby Reed instead of what looked a better and more direct option of playing Lookman in through the middle. Poor decision making in the final third is another story of the season this time, isn't it, Baldo?
0: It is. And the only thing that the only thing that came to my mind when I when I saw it was it took me back to, you know, what we've been saying about Anthony Knockhart for you know, all of last season is he's very good in the final, you know, in two thirds of the final third, but then it's that his decision-making, he always makes the wrong one. And it was, and it was the same here with Major. That's, you know, why, you know, I agree, you know, I agree with Morgan that I don't hold out much hope in him for the championship next season, because again, decision-making just doesn't look, just just doesn't look right for me. You can make the argument that Bobby Reed again, maybe he could have done he could have done better with you know with what, what he had, but just decision making overall from from all the players from the majority of this season and even going back to last season where we managed to get away with it, but it's just it's just been a problem. I don't know if that's something you can coach into the players or if that's something they've got to work out themselves. But next season we've it's got to be much better.
2: Other, otherwise, surely I, in mean, deep trouble. I guess the decision making is based on what the coach has told them in, you know, free match. So if he's playing the balls out wide, that's probably because he's been, uh, you know, they've been told, play the balls out wide, get in the middle. I mean, we haven't done that much. Obviously. No, I mean, that's the issue. We haven't been crossing the ball into whoever is playing up front. Maybe that's the new tactic to, as we go into the last few games. Not that it really makes an you know, ounce of difference at this point. But, yeah, it's you know, there is a certain football intellect that comes with experience. And Major clearly doesn't have that yet. He's not had a long run of games at any of the teams he's played at because he's still young. I mean at Sunderland, yeah, he got a few games, but then he was shipped off to Bordeaux and played here and there. It's yeah, I mean, I don't know what Parker does in his sessions, but there are certain things that seem to be glaringly obvious that they're missing from the players' repertoire, from the from just the team's general outlook. Um and again He's an inexperienced coach. You know, he's in a job that is probably too big for him. Um, God help him if he goes to the Spurs and gets the Spurs job, because that's going to be, you know, a massive step. And I still don't think he's actually ready for this job. So, you know, we shall see.
1: Just on Josh, Josh Madger, I just wonder if he's the sort of player who would thrive in a side that's really ticking, and it's creating loads of opportunities where all he has to do is be in the right place at the right time to finish but in a team like ours where you know it's as we've said before many times turgid football where chances are at a premium and he kind of needs to create his own chances as well then he's just going to drift off and be anonymous so that's what I think I think you stick him up front in that Tagana side where there's chances being created left, right and centre, then, you know, he'll probably get, get you 15 goals.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, even with Jukanovic. You know, and, yeah. And to an extent, that's probably the same with Mitro. I don't, there are very few strikers who, you know, realistically we could sign who would do well in this Parker side. It's just not made for strikers. It's made for mm. midfielders, attacking midfielders, and working the ball into the net. This the target man, poacher, whatever you want to call, you know, whatever role it is that's trying to fill, uh, is not well served in this, and he needs to correct that if he's going to keep this job. Which I've kind of fallen on the side of hoping he doesn't now. Um, he needs to look at you know his tactics and go, what's going wrong and you know, looking at the four positions and going, how can we best sort this out? Because our goals return is so pitiful. Mm. And, you know, it's in the championship, if we carry that on, yeah, sure, we scored a bunch of goals last time. But usually, it's if we carry on on the back of this, yeah, mid table is probably the best we can hope for, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's let's come on to the second Chelsea goal. Um, I felt like we were static and defensively, it was a really poor goal to concede. We just let Havertz run through. Everyone stood there and he just walked it into the net. Talk me through the goal and who was to blame?
0: I I don't think I don't think you could put blame on any one person. I think as you said, static. There were about three or four players around him at the time. I think geese was coming from behind. Lamina was there, Ina, Anderson, and I think, I think that was, what I probably had a rabbi as well, in the, in the vicinity, and he just walked straight through. I don't think, you know, that's not where you can put one person's lap, lapse of concentration, or one person falling over to put the blame on. That falls on practically everyone that was, was within about a 10 metre radius uh, at the time. If everyone gets blamed. That's just, that's just sloppy. That's just, that's just, lack of concentration. In all honesty, I think that's virtue. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I think that's bordering on giving up at this point. You know, I think, like most of the fans have, I think you can probably accuse some of the players of doing the same as well.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say that it's it's bordering on giving up. You know, all that would have taken was for somebody to just stand in his way and stop him from getting through, block him off, take the foul, take a yellow card, instead of just going... Through you go, son. And you know, he he did well to stay on side, but at the same time, you shouldn't be conceding goals like that at this level.
0: Yeah, and, and just on the point of giving up, it only just occurred to me after I said it. I think that's also one element that I want to bring into the whole Scott Parker debate. You know if you know, if he is our manager next season, if he isn't, but if he isn't, I don't want to hear any sort of complaints from fans. And I don't, you know, and this goes forward as well about the the types of manager that we bring in. Cause I know whenever, you know, we were in trouble, everyone would have said, Oh, let's get, let's get big Sam in. And you know, his football may be boring, but at least when you've seen with West Brom, at least they are going down, you know, they're going down with us, but at least they're showing some level of fight in what they're doing. You will never accuse a Sam Allardyce side of giving up. Whereas with this, whereas with this side, I think, you know, the football, you know, it's for some reason is getting praise from everyone. But I just don't see the fight from really anyone in this side.
2: Well, I mean, you say you know, he's getting praise. I still think he's dining out on the fact that he's a, a young English manager and he has not earned the praise from our... I mean, yeah, defensively, yes, we were solid, but he hasn't earned this praise. He's got it just by who he is. And he comes across as a nice guy. He's not cocky or arrogant. He's uh, the way he talks is very sort of like, you know, matter of fact. It's sometimes don't really understand where his viewpoint's coming from, apart from not to sort of slag the players off in public. But, you know, Parker has, you know, you would think he's instilled fight into the team, but clearly not well. And you would, they released that video on Thursday or Friday of him giving that team talk prize to the Liverpool game. Lovely, motivational, great. They won. They then went and lost four in the trot. They've lost five out of six. What did he do after that? And there is, you're right, there is no fight. There is, there was, it did look like sort of giving up, especially after that first goal went in. And one of the things that really got me yesterday were players pulling out of tackles. And Cavallero did it once, uh, or at least once, when uh, the ball came to the Chelsea penalty area. He just kind of pulled his leg out. I mean, I've done that five aside before. You know, you sort of don't expect that from a professional footballer. And uh, there's no excuse for it. Anguissa, I think he pulled out of a couple um, as like, you, you're you fighting for your lives and you've got these footballers who won't even put their boot in because they don't want to get hurt. And that is infuriating. I mean, he, they should have been, I mean, Angisa should have been taken off at halftime because he was offering absolutely nothing. Cav has offered very little throughout the whole season. And to do something like that, you need it needed to slap.
1: Just quick quick one-liner from both of you on this, because somebody I saw somebody ask this question yesterday. Does Claudio Ranieri do a better job with this squad than Scott Parker? Because Claudio Ranieri is a manager who works well with a team that's got a strong defensive backbone, which arguably we do have. Before we didn't when he was manager, and he made a complete pig's ear of that. But I wonder whether this squad would be better suited to him, just really quickly.
2: I'd say yes. I don't think you can do any worse.
0: Yeah, same line of logic. Same line of logic. I think Mm -hmm. the defence will probably be roughly about that, but going forward at least, you you can't do any worse than what we're doing.
1: Bring him in for the remaining games then, right? (laughs) (laughs) Circle of life, there you go. Yeah. Fabio Carvalho came on uh, to make his Premier League debut with about 13 minutes of the game to go. I remember Scott Parker did this with Harvey Elliott away at Wolves last time we were in the Premier League as well. I don't really care for the timing of it, actually. It's it's throwing the towel in a bit for me. As I said on Sky, when you've got Serbia's all-time leading goal scorer on the bench and you need a goal, you go and give a debut to a teenager. What's that about?
2: I didn't like it. I think he's from, look at his under-23 performances. He looks like a great player. But when you've got, and I've said this before, when you have really talented youth players in your squad, you do not bring them into a team that is struggling and fighting for their lives, or in this case, going out without a fight. It's, it's terrible for their development. They need to be coming into, blooded into a team that is doing well, high on confidence and allowing them to experience how good the football is and get used to it like that. You do not sort of bring them in hoping they might change, uh, change the game. And yeah, they're right. Sky, you don't leave Serbia's all-time leading goal scorer on the bench when you need goals. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Carvalho, uh in the future, hoping that he stays. But this was definitely the wrong time.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. Everyone knows, you know, I've said it many times on the podcast, I'm a fan of Fabio Carvalho. But the way that this has been done, you know, you know I don't agree with it. But I think it goes back to what I was saying about about Josh Major. I think this is looking forward to next season rather than anything else. That's what, you know, Mitrovic, yeah, I think we, you know, the consensus is he's not going to be here. So, you know, the game is gone. So why bother bringing, why bother bringing him on? Cause you know, he's not going to, he's not going to change much. He nearly did. You know, the Mitrovic, Carvalho knocked down late in the game. But for the most part, I think this is just developmental minutes. Just so he can be ready for, ne- ready for next season. Again, I don't, I can I can understand where you know I can understand that line of logic but I, I I just don't necessarily agree with it.
2: But how bad is that that you know we think back to the great escape season and we were 2-0 down at half time against man city and there wasn't hodgson bringing on players like youth players just to sort of uh, give them experience for next season when we're down he went out and we went out with so much fight and I don't know what parker said to them at half time unless it was keep doing what you're doing or something like that, because clearly they came out with none of that. And to then basically throw in the towel by bringing on next season's players is just say like it, it beggars belief. And on that, I mean, that just, that just makes me angry watching it. You know, I, I tuned out sort of, I couldn't focus on it anymore because it was that dull. There was nothing. You knew that there wasn't going to be, be a goal at that point. So I yeah.
1: He's, he's almost said at, at the end of the game that you know if we play like that for the last four games, we've still got a chance. But the bottom line is we're now we're nine points behind Newcastle, who have still got to play. Um, it it could be all over next weekend, um, and you know it's 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 a real shame. But I, I we've, as we've said so many times, we've only won five games all season, and now we've got to win our last four. It's just it's not happening, Scott. You know you can you can stand there and toe the line and say. You know, we're, we can do this. Still, we can still do this if we sh- if we apply ourselves and show the belief, blah blah blah. But it's nonsense. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened all season. So why is it going to happen now?
2: No. Never. Going I to mean, happen. I think. I mean, I think Newcastle will get a result against Arsenal today. Um Yeah, Arsenal are off the back of a Europa League game. Newcastle, have yeah, got a bit of belief about them, and they've also got to play Sheffield United at home. Mm. So they're not losing that. I don't think. No. Uh, Mathematically, we've got to the point now. Mathematically, it's not doable. So, yeah, you know. I
1: think so. Well, there's been plenty of times this season where I thought to myself that I can see what Scott Parker's trying to do, and that he just doesn't quite have the personnel at his disposal to to implement his ideas. Maybe I also thought after the last international break, with Mitrovic smashing in the goals for Serbia and then coming back into the starting eleven and scoring at Villa for Fulham, that he'd be a mainstay in the team once again, and we'd have a half half a chance of scoring at least each week. I cannot get excited about a team with even Caviero and Josh Maja starting up front in the Premier League. The pair of them are Championship quality at best. So, whilst I'll continue to blame recruitment and Tony Khan, as I've said before, I blame Scott Parker for not picking our best and only decent striker, and that's the reason why we're so toothless up front. And that's bottom line why we're going down.
0: It is, and I was having this discussion with someone literally on Twitter before we before we, we came on to this. Is he's uh, his point was you know how is um, why is Scott Park getting all the blame when it's, it's clearly Tony Khan? I said the blame goes on both sides. You know, could you argue that Tony Khan did a, could have done a better job? You know, you know, I gave him praise for what he did in for somewhat for what he did in the summer window with the likes of Adorabo and Anderson, who we can you know, and Ariola, who we can all agree, a fine defensive you know, goalkeeper. Fine, if you want to give him praise for that, absolutely go ahead, but the way he left us with you know until deadline day to bring in you know a center forward you know and and it Josh Major who's been terrible leaving to the last late Loftus-Cheek, you know cast hand he, he can't be he can't be blameless in this but at the same time scott parker can't be blameless at this at this stage as well even when josh major comes into the side you know after the mid after you know uh, Mitrovic with his with his performance for Serbia, that should tell you all you needed to know. And even after the Aston Villa game, there's the momentum, there's the form. Why don't you carry that on? And it, the way he just abandoned him, you know that. And even earlier in the season as well, just just smacks of poor management. And you know, so Scott Parker absolutely cannot be, you know. He can't be blameless through all this. As much as most of the fan base on Twitter last night were blaming Tony Khan, Scott Parker can't be can't be given a free pass from all of this.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I just think generally there needs to be a massive restructure going on. Well, not even massive. You know, there needs to be a lot of tweaking. There needs to be people brought in, experienced football people. And unfortunately, I think that means Scott as well probably needs to go. Um, you know, I said on the preview pod for the Chelsea game that. I have this idealistic idea that we have a long-term manager. Uh, but Parker, I don't, you know, he needs, he needs more help. He's, yes, he is learning. He is a scholar of the game, if you will. But he, is, he hasn't advanced enough in this season. And when you're in the Premier League, and if you can't see where your issues are, uh, then you need to sort of maybe go back to school. And, you know, the Tony Khan issue is a, that is a bigger problem because he, I think having him in this position is toxic for the football club. And unless he steps back and, you know, he won't admit that he's done anything wrong. We all know that. We need him just to look at it and go, okay, someone could come in and oversee day-to-day running of the club in a way that I can't. And unless, you know, he can still maintain his position as one of the five jobs that he has at the club, but he needs to look at it and go, yes, okay, bring an experienced director of football or someone just to oversee what is happening on the pitch, uh, including potential transfers. And hopefully we can actually build a solid foundation from next season. And then next time, God willing, when we come into the Premier League, we will actually not be a complete joke, which unfortunately, for a lot of the season, we have been.
1: Well, we aren't going down because of a defeat away at Chelsea. That's the bottom line. With that in mind, this is a standalone game I don't have a particular problem with. But if you were to ask Scott Parker, after he's retired, so he can be completely open and honest, what do you think he would say his main frustrations have been with this season and the way things have panned out from his point of view? Because he's obviously very... You know, he toes the line and, um, and says a lot without actually saying anything when he's talking to the Sky cameras and when he does his interviews and press conferences. But what, what do you think are his frustrations that maybe he keeps closer to his chest?
2: I think, uh, obviously, the lack of a real preseason probably set the, season, uh, set the whole thing off on the wrong foot. Um, the, how late the recruitment was um, in that period whether he points the blame at Tony Carnor just points the blame at um the kind of the pandemic' So is, is another question um that but obviously the lack of firepower at his disposal i think would be would be a key one but then you know we did have a great striker um and whether he just whether it was poor management he won't admit to that i'm sure um or just poor form and only he can only he knows what's going on with metro behind the scenes. So whether there is, you know, a deeper issue that we don't know about, um, that's, you know, that's for him to know. And whether he ever comes out and says, it's not, maybe we'll get the Scott Park autobiography in 20 years' time and he'll finally tell us. So, but I think there's there's a number of problems and I do think the way the season has started is probably one of the key ones.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, the and that's what my, my rationale has been all season for why I've been, you know, not fine with relegation, but why I'm not you know, overly disappointed with relegation. The way, you know, what he was handed to start with, with the short turnaround and with the signings all being done late, because of, you know, because of the pandemic, I think that's really probably what he would blame. And, you know, I, t- I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him for that because he was given such a shite start of the season that any manager, I think, would have. Would you know? Would have would have struggled with this, and you know to have to combine that with being an inexperienced manager. I think, yeah, it's you can only read you can only really point to that. I think that's what he would blame.
1: Well, lad's next season is going to be another roll of the dice, isn't it? We know we won't have the lone players at our disposal, so we're going to lose Areola, Anderson, Aina, Lookman, Loftus Cheek, Lamina, and possibly Josh Mager. The chances are that Kenny Tete, Mitro and Angita aren't going to fancy the championship either. That's 10 players out of our 25-man squad. Plus, I think Tom Kearney needs replacing as we can't rely on either his fitness or his form. So it's one thing for anyone to call for Scott Parker's head. But whether Scott's the manager next season or not, this is a massive rebuilding job now, isn't it? We need We need to build a more sustainable squad. That can move from the Championship to the Premier League potentially, rather than going season to season with loans and then having to start again at the beginning of each season. It's proved too many times that it doesn't work long term. Cyrus Christie, Anthony Knockart, Marcus Bessinelli and Niskins Cabano are probably all going to be back next season, but we can't rely on them again. So, what do we do?
0: I think I think what Morgan said was right. It, we 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 just need a total you know, rebuild, just start from scratch. I I don't know whether or not most Fulham fans would accept that, but you know, if we went into next season, you know, I don't I don't want to bring up some bad memories, but similar to Felix McGath, with the the influx of youth players and you know the odd championship experience player like like Ross McCormack in there, honestly, I wouldn't mind. You know, ideally, I'd want us to be back in the Premiership as soon as Premier League as soon as possible but I don't want it to be the way that we're doing it because I don't, because I don't think it's sustainable. So if we started next season, you know, first game of the season, away at Peterborough, say, because they seal promotion next year. If it was away at Peterborough and I could see that this is what we've got as a team and I could see, right, we may not do it this year, but this squad, this team can be sustainable. You know, once they get development, once they get minutes under their belt, once you add, Another player, you know, in the January window and another one next summer. So long as I can see a long-term plan, I will accept that personally. Does it mean we'll go up straight away? Probably not. But if it means that we when we get back to the Premier League, if we go back to the Premier League, we're there for five years rather than five months, then yeah, I'd I'd be willing, I'd be willing to accept that. It might not be it might not be pretty in the short term, but hopefully the long-term payoffs will be there.
2: And I think you know. I think you're right in that, but I think we came up too soon last time. I think obviously we needed to get back into the Premier League. Our you know as Tony Khan mentioned a number of times, our FFP situation was pretty dire, uh, and that's why we had all these loans and loans to buy. Uh, But that was his fault. You know that was his management of the transfer kitty uh, back in eighteen nineteen, and we're paying the price for that. But we cannot, as you know. Uh, Frenchie said, you know, we can't rely on these loans anymore because when something like this happens, you end up with a squad that gets gutted and you have to start again I don't think um, Parker would be the right man to oversee a rebuild, I think you need to bring an uh, an experienced head in to be able to handle that level of change and, you know, what we say, yeah, we've got all the loan players leaving, but is Harrison Reed going to stay? Is um, Toten going to stay? and you know you would hope so and you know probably end up doing what we did last time and just giving bigger contracts or losing relegation release clauses or whatever and uh you know it's it's just going to be a massive one and i think we will need time to adjust next season we do have some sort of decent players in the squad um but you know as you say you have got knockart coming back I mean, he didn't he's doing nothing for Forrest. i saw him play yesterday and it was, you know, proper headless chicken. Um you you know, Nieskin's coming back. He wasn't that great for us outside of those last few games anyway. I mean Bettinelli coming back. I mean, he's lost his place to Jordan Archer in the Middlesbrough team. I mean, that tells you everything about him at the moment. And Cyrus Christie, yeah. I think, you know, he's he's not bad. I think mean, obviously he's not got like, the best um relationship with the fans, I guess, but he's not he's not awful. And we've got two left backs at our disposal, but, you know, we'll probably have um, no right backs come day one. So, you know, we may be forced to play him. Uh, So it is going to be difficult. And I think if you do bring in an experienced manager who is able to come in and make his mark on the team, even if it's kind of a transition period, just to get a squad, a cohesive squad together. And hopefully we can build on that. And if we need a season to adjust, and then make a uh, push the following season, then I'd be okay with that. But I just don't want the same to happen again that's happened this time around and obviously last time around.
1: Uh, It's all part of the fun of supporting Fulham, mate, this, isn't it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Take us back to Division 3. Let's get Mickey Adams back. Let's start again. We'll be all right.
1: (laughs) Mm, We'll always be all right. We'll always be all right. It's It's just a tough watch at the moment, isn't it? But hey, hey. Get
0: Paul Conroy back up front.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mick Mick Conroy lives down in Australia now, so we might have to rely on Paul Conroy.
1: Legend. All right, well, that's your lot this time then, guys. We'll be back on Thursday for a look ahead to the next one, which is the home match with Burnley. Don't worry, it's nearly all over and almost time for a break, folks. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Colón